Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the Metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul the Prophet Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of the Metaverse. What we do is we cover the most pressing Metaverse stories and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this industry. For our regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you for all the love, the five-star ratings and reviews. Thank you for sharing the podcast if you have already. If you haven't, send it to a colleague, send it to a friend. Uh, leave that review, hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you find us on. We're everywhere. Um, it helps others to find the podcast. If you leave a review, if you share it with a friend or a colleague, we really appreciate it. Jeff, how you doing this week? Doing well, doing well. I, uh, as you know, Paul, I started a new job this week. So, you know, new day Congrats. job. This is obviously, you know, this is obviously my main job here is talking about the metaverse, but a new, <laughs> a new day job. Uh, so that's, that was keeping me busy this week. There you go. <laughs> um, congrats. It, it is, it is cool. Uh, you want to mention, you want to shout out the company? Yeah, right? shout out. Yeah. So I've joined a company called Homa games. They're a uh, mobile uh, publisher based over in France. So pretty excited. I'm going to be running corporate development um, for them. So yeah. Doing, doing a bunch of M and a across the, uh, the mobile gaming space. Maybe a little bit in the metaverse. Uh, we'll see. We are going to be looking at at some Web three stuff, so that's uh, that's obviously exciting. I was going to say, are you going to be buying play to earn mobile games? We shall see. I think you know it is definitely an area where Web three definitely play to earn. You know, we'll see. I'm not sure how sustainable that that kind of exact structure is, but definitely looking at at blockchain sort of Web three stuff. You know, maybe even buy some land in the metaverse. Who knows? <laughs> that'll, that'll be cool. I, uh, I, I will be jealous if you, if you become a significant landowner in the metaverse. Um, look, we, we, we talked about play to earn here. I think we have to start, Jeff, with a story, a, kind of a fun story, as we always do. And this is a new term that I've seen, at least. And I think it's interesting. I, you know, I, I think I probably first saw it about a month ago in, in the context of a different company. So this is the set call it the second time I've seen this term. And I think it's interesting. It's fun. Um, and the headline here is sneaker NFTs and the move to earn craze. So not play to earn. This says move to earn. Uh, and, and the way the article starts, I think, is sums it up. It says everyone's getting healthy and making money. Forget play to earn. Now you can move to earn green Satoshi tokens, GST, with a sneaker NFT. So. Uh, the, they're calling this the latest craze, uh, as most of these articles do. But the idea is pretty simple here. Um, the more you move and the more fitness goals you achieve, uh, the more you earn of these tokens. And and in this case, the to be able to play, this is attached to ownership of a sneaker NFT. So you need to buy a pair of these training shoes represented by an NFT powered by Solana. And, uh, the catch is the floor price floor price of one of these sneaker NFTs is already past, um, about a thousand dollars. It says 10 soul, which is about $107 per coin. So 
over $1,200 just to play this game, call it game. Um, and if you, if you work out a lot, I guess you could earn coins or you could just flip the NFT for more money. Um, but what do you make of move to earn here? I guess is the question. Well, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. You know, I, I, I don't like to work out. I need some motivation. So this could be, you know, the answer for me is to, to have some financial motivation. Um, you know, the 1200 is, is a big barrier to entry, but you know, sneakerheads are used to paying that. I think that's, uh, you know, there's plenty of sneakers that maybe cost. I, I know you're, you're a big sneaker guy, right? Well, your shoes must, must cost more than that. I mean, is that the, is that a good equivalent though? Or is it more, this is more like buying a Peloton, like a physical piece of hardware that you then use to work out on. The difference being you could potentially recoup the cost of your hardware purchase. Uh, yeah. I mean, if Peloton paid you to work out this, that would be, you know, that would be a hell of a lot better than, than you paying a monthly subscription. I am curious, of course, I know we brought this up probably as a little bit of a gag story like we normally do. But it's a really interesting one in the sense of I'm sure there's plenty of people that, you know, have wanted to get paid to work out. Um, and I wonder how sustainable this is. Like, is it possible for them to build an ecosystem where, you know, because the interesting thing here is there's plenty of people we could argue like it's almost similar to a gym membership in the sense of there are people with a gym membership putting in money right into the ecosystem and then not extracting value from the ecosystem in the sense of they're not going to the gym. So arguably you could say that there might be people who buy the $1,200 shoe and then don't actually run with it or don't actually work out. So they would not be extracting value out, but they would be putting value in. So arguably maybe the ecosystem is more sustainable than something like Axie, which we've consistently talked about with play to earn. Everyone's trying to extract value and when everyone's trying to extract value, that obviously the ecosystem doesn't work because some people have to be putting value in. But in the case of when it's something you don't want to do, maybe there are people that actually buy it but don't use it. So maybe maybe it actually is possible that it's sustainable. I mean, it's still it's literally still kind of an inverse Ponzi scheme, right? Like it's still yeah. you're still relying on some people putting money in and getting less than they put in out. Um, and you're right. Maybe working out is the kind of the holy grail of that, right? Because um, to your point, gym memberships often go unused. Um, I, I'd be interesting to see their stats, right? Like, and I don't know what these green Satoshi tokens are trading at, and I don't know how much specifically. You know, there's a graphic here for those listening. I, I guess the, the sneakers are are have sort of four categories of NFTs. Whether you're a walker, a jogger, a runner, a trainer, whatever. Um, but like, how much would you have to work out? And does this end up being relegated to literally, again, third world countries where developing countries where, <laughs> you know, um, so but now they're walking miles to, to, you know, earn a living? Well, I think it'd be interesting if you combine it with some gamification. Maybe you have something like a Pokemon Go type. Uh, meta game and then you combine that with the fitness aspect and like i don't know you could probably come up with some creative ways to make people exercise without realizing it and then if they make some money like and have fun doing it it's kind of a win-win-win the only question is again who who puts the money in and doesn't extract the value yeah fitness is an interesting one and i'll just read this quote very quickly and then we'll move on he says we're proud to reveal the potential of what individuals can achieve with their fitness goals 
using crypto as an incentive. I just think if you need to be paid to get in shape and look, I don't like working out either. Uh, but if being paid is the barrier for you, probably not that motivated to get in shape to begin with. I understand the gamification of fitness because tr- you're trying to make it fun. But earning crypto isn't inherently fun. And I'm not sure just paying people is enough of a long term motivator to get to keep them working out. Um, I don't know. It, it all comes down to how these economics work, right? If you're if you're having to work out five days a week just for pennies, um, it'll it'll be a non-starter, I think, in North America. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about Sandbox. The Sandbox uh, in the news, the article here from Bloomberg that Sandbox is aiming to raise $400 million at a $4 billion valuation. Um, the, it's a, everyone knows it's a subsidiary of Animoca Brands. Um, they're looking to raise $400 million, $4 billion valuation. This is coming from sources, again, people familiar with the matter, quote unquote. It may not be the final correct figure. But if it does go through at this number, the article says it would make for around four times the size of its Series B in November. So November would only be what, like five months ago. And uh, that round, that Series B was led by SoftBank's Vision Fund 2, and they raised 93 million there. Um, So Sandbox potentially, you know, raising a big, a big round. I just want to put this story before I turn it over to you, Jeff, against this other article where they were mentioning that Sandbox and FlickPlay are announcing a partnership that allow players to use a blockchain asset on both platforms. So freely move a good uh, between both worlds. Uh, FlickPlay is, uh, you know... They say they they describe it as an app where players can unlock digital collectibles by using an interactive map of their actual surroundings and then use their phone's camera to overlay the collectibles onto the real world and interact with the objects to make videos and other content. So maybe not a true metaverse, but sort of an AR-ish metaverse. Almost like Pokemon um, Go, but with yeah. blockchain. Um, but the first time I think I've really seen an article where we're seeing interoperability between metaverses, you know, uh, in quotations here. So uh, what do you make of the raise and what do you make of this sort of first step towards interoperability? Yeah, I'll start with the the raise um, and then we'll get to the interoperability piece. I mean, there wasn't a ton in the report. I was hoping I scrolled through it a few times. I was hoping to find some numbers around like revenue, growth, player base or anything like that. Um, because we have seen reports, I think we talked about one last week where it was like the player base for a lot of these games, including the sandbox, you know, it's just been like woefully low, like a few hundred thousand, you know, monthly active players, which just simply shouldn't equate to a $4 billion valuation. Unfortunately, there wasn't too much information um, in, in this report or in the Bloomberg piece either. So we could get like a multiple. So we'll just talk a little bit, I guess, from the baseline that we do have, the fact that the valuation is up 4x you know, since November, which I find pretty surprising because November was actually sort of the peak in the market, like right, right around when actually a lot of the NASDAQ names started rolling over and the high growth names rolled over. And if you just look at like Roblox's public market valuation since then, take two, pretty much any tech name slash gaming name, and even crypto. Uh, I would imagine is down 
you know, between 25 and 70%, depending on what, what asset you're talking about over that time period. So for Sandbox to be up 4x over that same period, kind of surprising, um, given that it's not like they've had a, ta- uh, you know, I, we see them in the news a lot, but it doesn't feel like they have a breakaway hit. It's certainly no. not something where, you know, when I go talk to my friends that aren't in working in the gaming industry, they're not like, hey, like, did you play the Sandbox last night? It's just <laughs> not really in the mainstream zeitgeist. Um, you know, we saw Epic did around flat year over year. So 4X is, is, is really big. That's my initial thought. What, what do you think? It's true. And, I, you know, I hadn't even thought of putting it up against Epic that raised a, you know, a large round larger than this. They raised two billion at a flat valuation. Right. And and I would argue they've probably made more headway than Sandbox has. Um, the article does mention that Coindesk reported and we reported on this as well. On April 6th, that Axie Infinity, Decentraland, and the Sandbox all reported decreasing levels of user activity. So the user numbers are going in the wrong direction uh, and, and counter to what the valuation's doing. I, I don't know if this is... <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, I'm trying to have sort of tinfoil hat theories here, how, how you manage that, right? How you have user numbers going down, uh, general sort of hype level at least sort of coming back to normal and yet um uh, this size of a valuation increase and this size of a raise now you know they mentioned in the article that it was host to the world's first metaverse music video you know i don't know if they're just hanging their hat on like these kinds of firsts and and the investors just aren't that sophisticated having said that it's softbank's vision fund has a bit of a reputation of like massive valuations that maybe are very optimistic um it's true i wonder I, what point we'll get it will get through in the hype cycle of the metaverse where we stop seeing like the world's first metaverse something where it seems like we, we've seen the world's first metaverse fashion show the world's first metaverse real estate the world's first what was the one last week where it was like they had 99 percent of metaverse fashion or metaverse <laughs> avatar celebrity avatar market celebrity like, avatars yeah you just make stuff up um and it's like what is this market um so yeah i wonder when we'll get to that point but that's that's just the side i mean but assuming all the players here are rational right including the investors and the rumors are true because we don't know right like this could end up being around at a two billion dollar valuation you know someone misread a number someone has you know the rumor is wrong whatever the reason so i don't want to come down too hard here but assuming everyone is acting rationally including the investors um you have to suspect they've got something up their sleeve right and my guess is when we hear about it it's going to be a game because i think that's what most of these metaverse platforms are all sort of you know sandbox becoming a lot more like a Roblox or a Fortnite kind of platform. Uh, I'm, I would bet good money. I haven't seen a pitch deck from Sandbox, so I don't know. But, but is that enough, or is that like what you would? That like it almost that almost feels like a requirement, not like a wow. okay. Now you figured it out. It's like, well, of course they need to make a game. Like otherwise, what is this? <laughs> yeah, but now now the four billion dollar valuation in the context of you know, Epic at 30 and Roblox at 30. And, you know, now four starts to feel sort of okay. Right now. Like, again, it's all about framing. I guess. <laughs> when you, right. I, I mean, still, it's like four billion, you know, like, whoa, 
is Assassin's Creed worth four billion? No. Like the game. Yeah. Ten million people every year play it. Like that's a hundred times as many people as play the sandbox. The it's digital true. Look, world, I, I, it's a metaverse. <laughs> like why is that not like why like, why is the sandbox worth four billion? I mean, it's all good points. I, I mean, hard to, it's hard to counter them. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to defend here the potential rumor and how they, how a rational investor sort of gets comfortable with that number. I guess if, if I could maybe throw my tinfoil hat, or not even tinfoil hat, like try to figure out maybe what they're thinking is that are some of these investors saying, hey, this is going to be a winner take most space. It's going to require a lot of capital, a lot of money. So we just need to pick a horse and invest a ton because whoever has the most capital, the earliest and kind of like almost like what, what we worked in, right? It was like, Hey, we're going to go be the crazy people. We're going to own the space. Um, and that obviously you kind of alluded to that with SoftBank earlier. Um, maybe that's the strategy here where it's like, okay, we've picked our horse. Let's really go all in because we know that one of these is going to become the metaverse and let's back one and just push our chips in. That's not, I mean, I can tell you among much larger VCs than I was, I ever was, like if you go to the Sequoias of the world or the Andreessen's or the SoftBanks, that is very much the philosophy, right? That that their money is fuel to not pick, not just pick a winner, but to create a winner, to make the winner, right? Yeah, exactly. And so this could be SoftBank making the winner, right? And and that's an interesting thought. Um because you're right, they may be looking at it as a winner-take-most market. Um, you know, I hadn't thought of that angle, but absolutely, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So they may be saying, "Hey, like we don't, we don't necessarily. We're not investing because of what it is today. This is almost just the vehicle that we're then going to make our play with. And you know, for 400 million, we could buy a substantial chunk of this. Versus if we want to do that with Epic, well, you can't because it's Tim Sweeney. If we want to do it with Roblox, well, they're public, so you know." They, you can't just go buy 40% of it. But with this, you know, maybe they can get a 20, 30% position and kind of push all their chips in and say, this is our play. We're going to, we're going to make this the winner. I agree. I think that's probably the most likely now that I'm hearing it. Um, I think the other interesting thing we could probably spend a lot of time and we're, we're not going to, we're going to move on here, but like Animoca has been killing it just from a, like how much attention the the pieces that they own now are attracting the dollars that the pieces they own are attracting like the number of companies under that umbrella and the amount of dollars i don't know what the total amount of dollars raised under that umbrella has been but it's it's yeah. huge like it's got to be it's got to be a really big number at this point i they're the 10 cent of web3 i mean i'm sure i'm stealing that from someone but i just kind of can't it's what they are they're the 10 cent of web3 um Let's let's talk about, uh, you know, the, the the flip side of this. I think we'll end here with two two quicker stories here about uh, people upset about uh, metaverse experiences. I think we always want to try and show, you know, both sides fairly here, the, the hype and the and, uh, you know, the the, the pushback. And the, this first one is <laughs> I like the headline crypto gaming landlords in quotations upset. They can't keep exploiting all the players quitting. Um, so the subheadline exploited players are rebelling against diminishing returns in the Pokemon like NFT game, Axie Infinity. So, you know, we've talked about Axie Infinity. We talked about the $600 million heist, uh, which we now have found out, by the way, we, we should, we should comment on this. It was committed by North Korea. 
So they're the ones who stole the 600 million uh, from Axie Infinity, which I think makes sense. Um, but what's happening now is uh, it says here, as Vice reports, the result is a highly financialized community fueled by the promise of future riches and predicated on a constant influx of new players. Many of those new players can't afford to buy axes directly, so existing owners loan them out for a cut of future earnings. The Axie community charitably calls the bosses managers, the workers scholars, and the overall arrangement a guild. We have, I think, meant, talked about guilds briefly at least. Um, but, you know, as the payouts get less and less in the, the context of this heist, are you surprised to see headlines like this? That, you know, people are quitting the game uh, because of the, you know, unrealized promises or whatever, whatever the reason may be. No, it's definitely not surprising. I mean, I think this is something we've been we've been pretty spot on the ball about this, you know, since we kind of started talking about Axie. It's like when you make the point of the game earning and not enjoyment and fun, as soon as you remove the earning and take away the digital job aspect, people will leave. And when you have an economy that's structured on the price of a token and the price of a token being predicated on more people coming in and buying it and joining the game as people leave the economy, it becomes a, neg- a self-fulfilling prophecy, like a, a, a cycle of despair. Um, and it just gets worse. So not surprised that people are leaving the game. As people leave the game, it gets worse for the people that are already there or that remain. So more people are going to leave. And yeah, there's these quote unquote um, guilds are or whatever they call them, ma- the managers of these guilds are the <laughs> ones left holding the bag when the quote unquote scholars leave. Yeah, yeah but they're, it's, it's all like you you hear them talking. It sounds like a uh, you know early twentieth century labor dispute, right? Like I had a fish farm and a plant farm. I'm reading this quote directly from the article, and ten scholars. They have almost all quit. My axes are worth ten percent of what they cost me to breed. I learned a lot in Axie, but like, like, are we going to start seeing scholars unionizing? Are we uh, like uh, rules against, you know, landlords uh, exploiting their workers? The whole thing has felt like kind of the worst part of any kind of capitalist endeavor, basically, like literally they picked the worst parts of it all. You have this sort of indentured servitude with, scholars working to pay off the you know their loans um it's it just it starts to sound very dystopian and and i always i think i've always said axie infinity in my mind will always be relegated to developing countries but even there it seems to be falling apart um the other the other sort of uh conversation i wanted to have in this article was uh and the headline here was i visited chipotle in the metaverse to try and understand why restaurant chains are flocking to it. And the experience left me both baffled and hungry. So this was in Roblox and, you know, someone visiting the, the Chipotle activation in Roblox. Um, and their conclusion was, although it's amusing, I don't foresee metaverse restaurants as a lasting feature. Now, compared to the last article, Jeff, this one, I think, is way more disingenuous in the sense that, again, I think we talked about this in the context of the fashion show, right? The metaverse mm-hmm. fashion week. It's someone going into Roblox on their like eight year old MacBook because, you know, their editor told them to do a story on this. They're not gamers, really. And so the experience feels confusing. Um, 
do you see I, so I agree with you but i do like the i like that in a sense because in order for us to get to the metaverse like those are the kinds of people you need to bring in so i like reading their experience because i always picture it's like okay what if my uncle wanted to join the metaverse or like my my mom like this would be them right it wouldn't be you know you and jimmy or people who are like hardcore gamers and have 14 gaming pcs and know exactly what they're doing it would be you know people that don't um the thing that i thought was funny the headline said that he was he was hungry he or she was hungry after you know going in so yeah. maybe that was the whole point I, I bet they were hungry and had a had a had chipotle in the brain i wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if he went to eat a chipotle so maybe that was the whole point of this yeah, you know, and, and it was kind of cute, right? Because it is coming from someone who's clearly not that tech savvy. Uh, and but I, I, I was amazed a that Roblox felt more accessible, right? As a metaverse, there was no conversation of like crypto wallets or things like that to be able to get in and and actually interact and do something that had value to them. Um, and clearly the Chipotle messaging hit home to your point. Um, but I think we're still far away. We're not far. We're still not there in terms of onboarding the masses, right? None of the platforms are, whether it's Roblox or Fortnite or at a level of complexity higher, a sandbox of the central land or whatever. Um, no one's really there yet, uh, is, is the conclusion I draw. But this to me is the proof, especially when you put these stories back to back, that the gaming platforms are much more likely to win than the crypto first platforms or the play to earn first platforms, right? Whether it's Axie or Sandbox or Decentraland versus a Roblox or a Fortnite. I think this person had a genuinely good experience because it was Roblox. And if it had been Sandbox or Decentraland, I think their experience would have been considerably worse. I don't know if before we wrap up, do you have a comment on that or? No, I think I, I think I agree with all that. It's we're still not there in terms of bringing people in, but Roblox is easier, and I, I do agree. Without the crypto, it kind of when you're bringing people into the metaverse, it's already somewhat confusing enough to the masses. Adding too much crypto and decentralization can can just add to the confusion. Um, I agree, Jeff. Let's that wraps up this week's podcast, guys. Uh, another episode flies by. Really appreciate all of you listening. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. So if you're getting this on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google, Stitcher, wherever you're getting this, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you get notified when all the episodes drop. It's one a week. Um, and share it. Please send it to your friends, your colleagues, anyone you're working with who may be interested in Web3 and the metaverse uh, and is looking at it from a business standpoint. We really appreciate it. Jeff, thank you as always. Don't forget, guys, the future is fun. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.